0: Oh, yeah, let's do it on a Friday. National champions for the sixth time OU softball rolls last night in Oklahoma City. Now, some of you were probably thinking during the game, and the answer to your question is yes, uh, because several of you were tweeting at me after I basically called the series over uh, after, uh, what, Wednesday night's game, game one against Texas. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous that I was a massive jinx last night. Uh, not only was I big and bold with my predictions about game two, but I ended up going to the game last night. A lot of you called me jinx, and I'm sitting there after three innings thinking, oh, God, I'm going to jinx this, and I'm going to get all the crap on the air. But then Parker, OU softball, they do what they do. Kinsey Hansen hits a bomb. Grace Lyons put the exclamation point on it. Jordy Ball was great all night long. Here we are again, another national championship for one of the best programs in all of collegiate sports.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, like we were saying yesterday, not even you could jinx this one. They're just that good. They went completely silent offensively for three innings. But all it took was one little play here, one little play there jada coleman brings back a home run Alyssa brito makes a diving catch they start to break through on a stealth check start to square up the ball a little bit more and a little bit more texas makes a couple errors in the field and all of that leads up to the back breaking swing from Kinsey hansen and that's another thing that's so impressive about this ou baseball team is they don't need just one play to break a game wide open they can subject you to death by a 1,000 cuts, which is really what it was starting to feel like to that point up until Kinsey Hansen launched that three-run homer, which really was the nail in the coffin for the Longhorns.
0: Yeah. Um, text line, let's get it going. 405-651-3439. 1,400 a.m., 99.3 FM in the app. It's going to have the OU Virginia Tech baseball game on today. So we're on with you in the Oklahoma City area today on 94.7 FM. But I just want to know where that defensive game for Jada Coleman ranks in terms of best OU defensive performances we've ever seen. Now, there's been some individual great plays. I think of Roy Williams against Nebraska. Really, I think of Roy Williams here. Roy Williams, Rocky Kalmas, our own Teddy Lehman. Maybe Roy Williams in 2001 is one of the single greatest defensive performances in any sport that we've seen. But, Parker, no matter what sport you want to go with, what Jada Coleman did last night defensively—it's not often in the sport of softball you see someone dominate the game defensively—but she did it at a level that I don't think I've ever seen in in a college softball game before.
1: No, and like like we were talking about, bringing back that home run was huge because I I don't question that OU would have been able to work their way out of a four nothing deficit, but at that point in the game, a four nothing deficit would have felt a lot different. Than a 2 nothing deficit, yep. especially because if that ball goes over the fence, what does that do to Jordy Ball's confidence level in her first start in over a month after coming back from that injured forearm? you got to think about the mental effect that a play like that has on your pitcher in particular, where she's in a dangerous situation, things are starting to snowball out of control. She very evidently doesn't have her best stuff. And if that ball escapes Jada Coleman's glove, it could have gotten very out of control very quickly for the Sooners and Jordy Ball. But for Jada Coleman to come up with that play in that moment was massive. And then not only to come up with that play as well, but the outfield assist from right center field to cut down J.J. Smith at second base later in the game to snatch momentum away from the Longhorns once again when it for a moment appeared as though okay they might be able to get something going offensively against Jordy that was massive for the Sooners as well and Yeah, Jada Coleman really took this game over defensively. Say what you will about the bats, and there's a lot of credit due to a lot of different folks in that regard. Obviously, you got the homer from Hanson. Alyssa Brito came up with a couple of doubles. Grace Lyons added that three-run shot. But, man, Jada Coleman's defense was really what swung this game in favor of Oklahoma last night.
0: Yeah, her her robbing the home run was the biggest play of the game to me. Um, You know, she wasn't the MVP of the tournament. I, Jocelyn Allo was, and I totally agree with that. Jocelyn Allo should have been the MVP of the Women's College World Series. But if they did MVPs for individual game, it was, it was Jada Coleman last night. I, I, I don't know, who knows what happens in that game if she doesn't make three incredible defensive plays out in center field. And she was good offensively too, but dang, uh, she dominated defensively from center field. And that was, that was a whole lot of fun to watch. Hey, um, I'm at the Westwood uh, Tennis Facility today in Norman. we actually got a couple people going through lessons right now as we are in the indoor facility. Uh, they've got new cardio tennis classes for adults and kids. Morning and evening times are available. Text ahead to reserve your spot as class space is limited. Contact Coach Brian Barnes to get signed up at 405 609 Ninety-four forty-two. That's 609 oh nine. Ninety-four forty-two. The Westwood Tennis Facility in Norman. Twenty-four hundred Westport Drive. All right. Um, how was the drive last night from uh, Albuquerque to Vegas? Everything go? Well, okay? I tell you what. Uh, we made it,
1: and coming into Vegas at nighttime is actually super cool because I bet I've is. never seen I've never seen more lights from one single locale than we saw driving into Vegas. It's like you come over the hill. And it's just miles and miles and miles of lights. And obviously, I've made it no secret, I'm not the biggest fan of Las Vegas. But even I must admit, driving into Vegas at nighttime is really, really cool. Did
0: you stop by the Hoover Dam? Did Travis want to stop by the Hoover Dam and get a tour real quick? Uh, we we did not stop by the Hoover Dam, no. That was, <laughs> I think that was a little <laughs> out of our
1: way. We could have done it, but it would have been like a 45-minute detour, so... Nah, uh, we, we've spent 17 hours in the car over the last two days. <laughs> so we figured, you know what, we'll just beeline this thing, make one stop for dinner in Flagstaff, and then be on our merry way to Sin City.
0: Yeah, um, well, maybe you'll stop at the Hoover Dam on the way back. You never know. All right, whole lot of recruiting today because OU's got some big visitors on campus, and Parker and Travis, who Travis is going to join me for the Friday rush coming up at 3 o'clock, they're at a 7-on-7 uh, event. Cam Newton's 7-on-7 event in Vegas. Let's start here, though, um, because Kendall's already tagged us both in a tweet on it. Cole Adams is in Norman. At least, according to Cole Adams, he's in Norman. Um, any updates to share there? Is is—is this an O.V. for him? Cole Adams is on an official visit, yes.
1: So six official visitors this weekend. You have Adams, you have four-star running back Caleb Hicks, four-star edge rusher Colton Vosick, three-star linebacker Cade McIntyre, a three-star athlete, I should say, because there's a chance he plays offense for Oklahoma as well. You've got four-star linebacker Lewis Carter out of the state of Florida, and then Norman North running back Chapman McCown. Those are the six official visitors on campus this weekend. But, hey, Jackson Arnold is up on campus camping Imagine yeah. that five-star quarterback in the class of 2023 competing at OU's camp. Uh, he was very sharp this morning. From everything I was told in the aftermath, Parker Livingstone, Calvin Simpson, Hunt, Nigel Smith, laundry list of guys, uh, and of course, probably at the top of the list, all things considered, is DJ Lagway. But plenty of talent at Oklahoma this weekend, not and that's just not that's not just confined to official visitors. When you're talking about guys that are showing up to camp as well, four-star receivers from the state of Nebraska, Devon Hall, showed up with his quarterback, three-star 2024 signal caller, Daniel Kalen. So nationally ranked guys all over the place on the campus of the illustrious University of Oklahoma today and tomorrow.
0: Seems like that's always happening every single weekend. There may not be, you know, 35, 40 players in, but there always seems like there's – a handful of elite players at all the positions across the board that are visiting and uh, what they, they, they still got the team camps or, you know, the, the camps going on and everything like that. Um, is there anything, are, are we on commit watch for any of these kids or I mean, at, at best we might see a kid with a preferred walk on spot commit. Like what are we looking at commit wise? That's a good question,
1: Tyler. And honestly, the one I would watch more so than the others is probably Cole Adams, just because this is an OU Alabama race, and if he's blown away by his visit to Oklahoma, why wait at that point? If it's either OU or Alabama, and you're sold on OU being the destination over Alabama, man, I can see Cole Adams pulling the trigger. Cade McIntyre is another one that I would watch. Uh, he's supposed to be up at Iowa. I'm trying to, uh, I was actually exchanging texts with him, trying to confirm that uh, he has plans to make it to Iowa because with his family's ties to the University of Oklahoma, and with that being his first official visit, I always kind of figured there's a chance he just shuts it down after his Oklahoma official visit if everything goes well. So uh, there will be a couple to watch. Uh, Adams and McIntyre are probably the two at the top list for me, although there is, there is some belief that you might end up being the destination for Caleb Hicks, and it might
0: not take too long for him to decide that that's the spot. Yeah, well, th- this could I- – I think that there's a chance here, Parker, and maybe it's less than 50% or, you know, maybe it's way too early to say something like this, but this feels to me like the weekend when it comes to four-star wide receiver Cole Adams out of Owasso. If he ends up committing – I feel like we're eventually going to be talking about this weekend. Now, I mean, that's probably a no-duh statement because he's on campus, but here's kind of the moment, Parker, where it feels like you can really swing things in your favor, and I, I guess I have a gut feel here that we're really going to have a good idea where OU stands, you know, as soon as early next week, potentially.
1: Yeah, as do I, Tyler. I think this is the defining weekend for Cole Adams. If he comes out favoring Oklahoma, he probably stays home. If OU doesn't do enough to overtake Alabama, then he's probably bound for Tuscaloosa. Uh, by the way, quick OU baseball update. Blake Robertson just singled home John Spikerman in the top of the first inning. OU already up one to nothing on Virginia Tech. So big week for the Diamond Sports on the campus of the University yeah, of Oklahoma with softball bringing home a national title and the baseball team having a chance to punch their ticket to Omaha for the first time since 2010.
0: Yeah, um, I'm trying to get it on ESPN Plus, and it's like, this event has not started yet. Like, no ESPN, you're lying to me, it has started yet, and OU's already scored a run. So I'm trying to figure out this situation on my laptop, but um, I saw on 24-7 Sports where they, they picked each regional, or excuse me, each super regional, and the pick on 24-7 Sports was OU and three. They're, they're going to win it in three games. OU is the trendy pick right now in college baseball. And they were kind of the trendy pick before the Gainesville Regional started, but they definitely are now that they're in the Super Regional. Virginia Tech's really good. They've won 34, Parker, 34 out of their past 40 games, and they've won 14 of 15 series this weekend. So if you want to say that Virginia Tech is potentially the best team that OU's played all year long, I think you can make a pretty strong argument for that, and I'm not downplaying OU's chances to win this Super Regional, but this is definitely going to be one of the tougher opponents you've played. Luckily, you're playing your best ball the entire season, bar none. Exactly. It's a tough draw, and I think a lot rides
1: today on the performance of Jake Bennett And once you get out of him on the hill, and much is going to be made of his six-out appearance to close out the Gainesville Super Regional on Monday. The reality is... When you're starting once a week, as most college pitchers are, Tyler, you're throwing a couple times, and usually you're throwing an extended bullpen session or two in between starts. So it's not uncommon, the work that Jake Bennett uh, got on Monday against four, it's not uncommon for that type of uh, workload to come in between starts. It's just so happened to be in a game environment this time instead of in a bullpen session in practice. So, I think Jake Bennett will be a hundred percent today. We'll see what we get from him uh, out of the out of the Sooners' lefty ace. But as, as, as things stand right now, you really got to like the Sooners' chances with the type of ball that they're playing, and obviously with Virginia having the or Virginia Tech, excuse me, having the home field advantage, that's going to come into play. But the Sooners were undaunted last weekend in Gainesville, and for my money, when it comes to baseball, Gainesville is a far tougher place to play. Than Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And it's all about can they stay hot? Um, They were hot in Arlington, hot at the end of the regular season, hot in the early stages of that regional. Can they find that again? Well, good sign so far. They're up 1-0 in the top of the first and still got a chance to add a run here with a runner on second, two outs, and uh, Jimmy Crooks is at the plate. 405-651-3439. Jimmy Kirk's just struck out, by the way, so we go to the bottom of the first. OU up 1-0. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm at the Westwood Tennis Facility in Norman, 2400 Westport Drive. Parker is in Vegas getting ready for this Cam Newton 7-on-7 event. Uh, We'll talk more Cruton, more football, softball, baseball. Man, we're all over the board today right here on Locked In with McComas and Thune on the ref.
1: Back with you here on Locked In, the Ref Sports Radio Network, home of the Sooner fan. Tyler McComas and Parker Thune with you until 3 p.m. local time. Apparently, Tyler got caught in the line of fire at the tennis facility, gave me a call and said, Hey, I need to get resituated here. Can you give me a couple minutes? And I said, No doubt, because I happen to be accompanied by one Travis Davidson. So. Uh, you will, of course, will hear Tyler, or uh, you will hear Tyler and Travis coming up on the rush from three to six. But I told Travis, you know what? Grab a headset, hop in here for a segment, and let's talk some OU recruiting. So, Travis, obviously, we were planning on seeing DJ Lagway this weekend out here in Vegas. Well, as it would turn out, DJ Lagway won't be here. The silver lining, however, is that he will be in Norman, Oklahoma. Well, we. I don't know if we have your headset enabled properly. Well, that's unfortunate. Technology demons after us today, but uh, one way or another. So, uh, well, we got to get this figured out on our end now too. It is utter chaos here on Locked In. Parker Thune, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson here with you up until 3 p.m. Central Time. Then you'll hear Tyler and Travis on the Rush from 3 to 6. But obviously out here in Vegas for the overtime 7v7 tournament, uh, the reality is this is one of the most star-studded seven-on-seven events of the entire year. Blue chippers coast to coast all coalescing at Cam Newton's inaugural seven-on-seven setup. Uh, some of the ones at the top of the, uh, at the top of the board for Oklahoma that we will be keeping a close eye on this weekend include Debron Gatling, wide receiver out of Alpharetta, Georgia. Same high school, as a matter of fact, uh, as one LT Overton. Obviously, that recruitment did not go in the Sooners' favor. But with Gatling, there have been some strong early vibes in favor of Oklahoma. He's liking uh, what he's picking up from the Sooners' coaching staff, and he expects to visit later this month. Tovani Mizell, national top 50 running back in the 2024 cycle. Uh, very close to the top, if not at the absolute top, of DeMarco Murray's running back board in In that class, he will be competing as well. And then a couple five-star wide receivers out of the state of Florida, Jeremiah Smith and Joe Trader, of particular interest to Sooner fans. They visited this spring. They will visit again, purportedly, this summer. I believe we have Tyler McComas back on the line. Tyler, (laughs)
0: did you manage to make it out of the line of fire? (laughs) Uh, I didn't make. I didn't manage to make it out of the line of fire, but I'm at least in better cover than where where I was before. But uh, Nah, I uh, I heard you mentioning just the seven on seven and, and who's going to be there. I, I I've got a I've got a dumb question, but I, I feel like most people don't know the answer to this. Is when you're talking about these seven on seven events in Vegas and you've got kids from all over the country, you know, heading to Vegas to to go to this thing. Is that on their own dime, or will someone like Cam Newton, who's putting this thing on, will he pay for some of these athletes to go out there and showcase their skills? How's the dynamic of that work?
1: No, it's actually the seven-on-seven organizations that uh, put together all of the travel plans and will arrange things for these athletes. So, for instance, uh, SFE, South Florida Express, one of the most well-known and competitive seven-on-seven organizations across the entire country, They've put together a team for this weekend that includes Malachi Nelson and DeAndre Moore, as well as Makai Lemon, all of whom attend Los Alamitos High School in California. So these teams will bring in dudes from anywhere and everywhere to compete with their program.
0: Yeah, okay, that's interesting. I, I, I didn't think that you could just count on. I mean, it's easy just to say, hey, we're going to have an elite camp. But I figured you probably had to have some sort of means to bring in all of these uh, high-quality recruits to to uh, Vegas. But you said first annual for Cam Newton. I, I guess you're kind of leading on here that this is going to be a normal thing. Does Cam like want to be known here moving forward as putting on the biggest seven-on-seven event of the year? Is that what he wants to do?
1: Well, it, it seems that way because they are doing this tournament right, man. Uh, the uh, the accommodations and uh, the facilities, the talent, it's all second to none from what we've seen thus far, and we're going to get to experience it firsthand uh, for the first time tonight at pool play, which is 7 to 10 local time, so 9 to midnight, if you're in the central time zone. That's when we will be providing live up-to-the-minute coverage on social media, uh, of this overtime seven v seven event, uh, but the reality is, Tyler, we're look we're looking over the agenda for the weekend, and there is snacks and water provided to the press at this event, which is more than I can say so for any other seven on seven event I've ever been to, because they're generally very informal, very loosely organized. This one is organized like a legit sporting event. This is this is big time stuff, and so.
0: I would figure that. Do you as have to wear a everything? scarf and crazy sunglasses? Like, is that required to cover this Cam I, Newton seven-on-seven? I, seven?
1: I don't think there's a dress code, but um, you know, what? if there is, I'm sure we can scrounge something together. There, there are plenty of thrift shops out here in Vegas. I would imagine that sell Cam Newton-esque attire.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I thought that this was funny in uh, recruiting news today so Lloyd Carr who is the former head coach at Michigan and actually did a really good job at Michigan won a lot of games I think what Lloyd Carr was there when they split Nebraska for the uh, 97 title um, yep. his grandson he's got a grandson that's a legit quarterback 2024 kid. his grandson not only didn't pick Michigan, but he picked Notre Dame over Michigan, uh, maybe Michigan's second biggest rival outside of Ohio State. So I I don't know what the mood is there up north uh, regarding that commitment, but that is interesting. A former big-time Michigan coach's grandson picks Notre Dame and uh, that new staff that they have out there with Marcus Freeman.
1: Yeah, that's the Freeman effect right there, Tyler, because you look at a kid like C.J. Carr, not only – did his grandfather coach Michigan for 13 seasons, but his father actually played quarterback at Michigan. So a lot of connections in Ann Arbor. (laughs) CJ Carr grew up in the Ann Arbor vicinity, so it really seemed from the get-go as though the logical choice throughout this entire process is going to be Michigan, because how can a kid like this not go to Michigan? But Uh, if you read the interview that CJ Carr did with ESPN last night after announcing his commitment to Notre Dame, which was very much expected, he said, look, I've known for a long time that that's the best spot for me and that nobody else really had a chance. So that speaks to the job that Marcus Freeman is doing there, the culture and the vision that he has established at Notre Dame. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, Tyler. I think once we see reconfiguration Uh, across college football, and once we see Oklahoma and Texas make the move to the SEC in particular, if there is a team outside the new SEC that wins a national championship over the course of the decade to follow, my money would be on Notre Dame. And by the way, another quick baseball update – Oklahoma has chased Virginia Tech starter Griffin Green from the game Dang. in the top of the second inning with no outs. Sooners <laughs> put runners on first and second, and the Hokies are already making a pitching change. So things looking nice for the Sooners and Skip Johnson right now.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they're they really starting this super regional the way that they started the regional What a week ago today, um, they they are getting runners on base. They already got one run on the board, and you chase their starter, their game one starter after one inning. I mean, that's significant for a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously, in a game one scenario, you're throwing your ace, if not your number two guy, but we're talking about a three-game series here, which is essentially a weekend series that you play during the year. This could eventually really tax Virginia Tech's bullpen. And if you can really tax Virginia Tech's bullpen going into, an if necessary, Game 3 or potentially even Game 2, Parker, sometimes it's the game inside the game when you're talking about Super Regionals. And if you can get Virginia Tech to use a lot of their arms today and tomorrow, you'd be in really, really, really good shape kind of at the back end of the series. So this is a very significant development in the Super Regional.
1: Yes, and in related news, Tyler, Texas outfielder Douglas Hodo just gave East Carolina an assist when a ball bounced off of his glove and over the fence for no a run for the Pirates. So East Carolina leads Texas 9-7 to in the Greenville Super Regional right
0: now. Longhorns very much a deer in the headlights in the jungle. Uh, Air cover Solutions text line, 405 651 Virginia Tech might be the second-best offense behind Tennessee. Now, there's no denying that Tennessee is the best offense in college baseball this year, but if you look at the numbers, Virginia Tech can make a real claim for number two, and this is a long series. We have a long way to go, but so far, their, alf- their offense uh, up to this early point is kind of being outdone by the-, the hottest team in the country, potentially in OU. Well, yes, indeed, and granted, it's only been one inning. A lot can change, as,
1: <laughs> as we saw last night between the Sooners and Longhorns in the sport of softball up in Oklahoma City, but as you look at the situation right now with Virginia Tech starter already out of the game with Oklahoma's bats hot and with Jake Bennett on the mound, you really like the Sooners' chances right now to go up 1-0 to zero and to put the Hokies behind the eight ball
0: heading into game two uh is pj atabari going to visit lsu this weekend that's on the text line uh not this weekend uh i don't know
1: when that visit or if that visit is going to happen that is on the radar that's something that's still kind of being ironed out Uh, but for the moment that is nothing more than a possibility Uh, a possibility i would keep an eye on obviously with how good of a recruiter jamar kane is but I still expect P.J. Adebarre, regardless of whether he takes the LSU visit or not, to be a Sooner at the end of this process.
0: Yeah, as would I, but, you know, I I think you and I and a lot of other people have so much respect for Jamar Cain. It's one of those that even if he took the LSU visit, we'd be like, we feel still feel confident, but we'll see what happens here because we really respect Jamar Kane's recruiting abilities. Again, even if he takes that visit, I'm with you, I still think he ends up at OU. But Jamar Kane garners so much respect, you'd kinda be on you'd be on watch a little bit to see if that recruitment could change because Jamar Kane's involved. I, I think he's that gifted of a recruiter. And he is. And that's he's a good enough
1: recruiter that you're you do have you can't help but be legitimately worried if he gets involved for P.J. Adabare, and maybe that doesn't change your eventual feeling with regard to the outcome. But if there is somebody that has the capacity to turn a recruitment on its head, it's somebody like Jamar Kane. So, yes, that situation between LSU and P.J. Adabare, definitely worth keeping an eye on. But for my money, man, having known the kid for quite some time, He is an Oklahoma football player. He's a Brent Venables football player. And that's the other thing about this process, too, is when you get to know a kid on an intimate level and you see them face-to-face over and over and over again, you really get a sense of not just what they're looking for as far as a football fit, but what they're looking for as far as a cultural fit. And P.J. Atabari is a cultural fit
0: at Oklahoma I don't know that he's a cultural fit at LSU. Yeah, when and especially we don't know what the culture is at LSU up to this point. What's it going to be under Brian Kelly? If it's anything similar to what it has been at LSU, then you're you're definitely right on about that. I don't think he he would fit necessarily into that environment. OU uh, tried to get down a sacrifice bunt with runners on first and second, nobody out, and Virginia Tech uh, gunned down the lead runner at third. But Kendall Pettis just got a base hit, which I believe he was the Gainesville Regional MVP. Yes, he gets indeed. a base hit, so OU is now up two to nothing in the top of the second inning. Runners on the corner with one out. Sooners are still staying hot here, and they're de- just like the softball team—they're kind of delivering the uh, opening uh, haymaker here to Virginia Tech.
1: Man, Kendall Pettis, what a time for him to get hot because uh, he had as many home runs in that Gainesville Regional, two, as he had the entire season up to that point. And, you know, we talked about OU softball's lineup being dangerous one through nine, and obviously there is no comparison to be had there, at least no apples to apples comparison. But I think what this OU lineup is demonstrating (laughs) as we watch Wallace Clark come through with a base hit to bring in another Oklahoma run is that... There are a whole lot of guys or I'm sorry John Spikerman is the one that came up with the RBI hit here 3 to nothing in favor of the sooner but there are a whole lot of guys that can burn you with the bat on this OU baseball team.
0: Yeah, and uh showing up right now. Wow, uh OU baseball 2 wins away from Omaha and Already got a 3-0 lead in the top of the second inning. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. It's locked in with McComas and Thune on this Friday. Hang out with us. Let's talk some football. Let's talk some cruton and watch a little Sooner baseball as well. More to come on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune on this Friday. Live on the ref, we're the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. OU Baseball up 3 nothing over Virginia Tech. Game one of the Blacksburg Super Regional in the bottom of the second inning. Virginia Tech got a runner on first with nobody out. Big report today, Parker, that Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF will join the Big 12 starting in 2023. We already know that BYU is going to be a member of the Big 12 in 2023 as well. So there's a real chance here that we have a Super Big 12 conference. More teams in the league than we've ever seen before. Unless OU and Texas pull some surprising uh, pull a surprising announcement here in the next few months, I think that we're going to be talking in 2023 about OU playing Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, BYU, uh, whatever a combination of that looks like.
1: And I can't imagine a world in which that happens. Can you, Tyler? Because it seems as though if that is to happen, as Max Olson from The Athletic reported this morning, if it is the case that BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF all move to the Big 12 in time for the 2023 season, wouldn't it behoove everybody involved if the move from the Big 12 to the SEC for OU in Texas was accelerated? Wouldn't it make sense for everybody with a stake in the process on the Big 12 end, on the SEC end? on the university end at both
0: OU and Texas, to just get this thing over with? I mean, I, I would think so, but maybe they're really holding out for that buyout. They they want a massive buyout and make Oklahoma and Texas really have to pay for their surprising announcement to leave. I, I don't know, man. I, I agree with you, and maybe this isn't as difficult as I think it's going to be, but it's just going to be awkward to have, what, two divisions? If they do divisions, 2 17 divisions, and then, what, after one or two years, Totally reshuffle the conference again? I don't really know how they're going to go about that, but it just seems weird that you would have temporarily for one or two years a 14-team league and then all of a sudden go back to 12 teams. I think it, yeah, like you said it right, behooves everyone to just say let's cut our losses here. Uh, we got our new teams. You got your new conference. We all know what's going on. OU Texas, just roll on to the SEC and we'll call it good. But I just, I don't necessarily feel like that's going to happen. And it's just, It would just be a weird situation,
1: Tyler, for that to be the composition of the Big 12 for a single year or two years before everything gets reconfigured. So with as much money as is invested already and is at stake in OU and Texas's move to the SEC, I would expect, and I don't know how quickly it happens, but I would expect that the powers that be make an effort to get OU and Texas to the SEC in time for the 2023 season. I really do think it's becoming increasingly apparent that 2022 could be OU and Texas's final year in the Big 12.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think all of us definitely hope that that's the case. Um, tired of this league, tired of this conference. Now, I, I want them in the best position possible when they roll into the SEC. I, I, I think that that possibility could exist in 2023 but one thing that this staff has kind of been consistent about behind the scenes is they, they want to be fully prepared when they do roll into the SEC because as Brent Vittables has said before, you get one chance to make your first impression of that conference and he makes his, he wants to make his first impression be a loud one and I mean obviously that's what we want here too is that for it to be a loud one you send shockwaves across the SEC and that really eventually helps you in, uh, in recruiting as well. What was your big takeaway from, and I hate bringing him up but, uh, I, he, he just continues to be in the news, man, because he continues to want to put out articles about himself. What was your big takeaway from this Lincoln Riley ESPN piece today where he's apparently talked to Bob and it wasn't about running to the SEC or running, running from the SEC, it was about running to USC? What's the deal? Why does he continue to reach out to national journalists to say, hey, let me continue to tell my side of the story? Well,
1: I think Brandon Drum hit hit the nail on the head last hour. We, he compared this situation to the situation that unfolded a couple of weeks ago when Nick Saban made those comments about Jimbo Fisher, and Jimbo instantly fired back and fired back repeatedly and kept doing interviews and kept doing press conferences where he directly referenced Saban's comments and the fact that his bridge was burned with Nick Saban what brandon said in so many words was the more you talk the more it becomes evident that you're that you're full of crap and yeah. so that's really what this is that's what's happening right now for mule shoe and his situation out there at usc he thinks it's improving his public image i think it's having exactly the opposite effect because everybody not just sooner fans at this point but everybody across the college football stratosphere is looking at this situation and saying, why do you feel a need to keep talking? Why do you feel a need to keep doing interviews about this? We've heard your side of the story. You've said it a thousand times. How You've outlined your perspective on how the move took place and what your feelings and emotions were and what your thought process was as you made the transition. We don't need to hear this all again. And the only reason that it appears you're going through it all again is because you really, really, really have a desire to control the narrative.
0: Yeah, I, you know, it's just... Stop, Lincoln, okay? You're not going to change anyone's mind. You know, everyone's already made up their mind on this deal. We are seven, eight months out from this There's nothing that you can say, nothing that you can do for a lot of us to change our mind on on how you left. And now he's he's finally saying, well, you know, maybe I could have done it a different way. You think? I mean, why didn't you say that initially? Why does it take you eight months to say that? Yeah, man, it's all crap. He's trying to change the narrative here. I'm sure that there's some negative recruiting going on with SEC schools when it comes to USC, whatever. But he's just... At this point, Parker, he's trying to say more to help damage control. But I think that the more that he speaks, it's you know creating even more attention. I think if he were just to be quiet, the story would go away. I think he, I think he should shut up. Uh, let us get through the off season and the start of the season, and that story will start to die down a little bit. But this continues to be a big story for one reason not because of OU fans, not because of any of us here, Lincoln Riley continues to make this the big story. OU fans are kind of over and done with it, ready to move on. For whatever reason, Lincoln Riley's not ready to move on.
1: And at what point do you move on? If you're Lincoln Riley, at what point are you content to say, "You know what? I'm going to focus on the here and now with my football team and getting them ready for what we believe and what we hope will be a resurgent season in the year 2022." At what point do you say, regardless of what the public perception is of my move to Oklahoma, that's
0: over and done with, I'm going to focus on my new employer
1: and my new football team?
0: Yeah, it, it really reminds me so much. And I know that it's an easy comparison to make, and it's not exactly alike, but I, I I do think that there's some similarities here between the Kevin Durant situation and this situation just because it's, you know, finally it took a while. But finally, at one point, OKC Thunder fans were ready to move on. All right, Russ is our guy. We're all about Russ right now. Let's move forward. Let's talk about the future. And Kevin Durant kept up bringing up Oklahoma City. Kept bringing up Oklahoma City. You thought the story was over and done with, and he'd tweet out some certain certain things or say some certain certain things or whatever. I feel like it's a similar situation here where Britt Venables is like, "All right, he's our guy. We're ready to move forward. We're optimistic about the future." And then the guy that left you continues to bring up and talk about it, almost like Kevin Durant knew what Lincoln Riley is finding out. Like, ooh. I may have made a big mistake here. Now Kevin Durant's obviously gone on and, and won some NBA Finals, so I don't know how he feels about that current day. But there may, there almost feels like a little buyer's remorse here for me from 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 Mule Shoe.
1: Well, and not necessarily buyer's remorse in that he regrets making the move, because I don't think he regrets making the move. I do think he's starting to regret doing it in the fashion that he. Right. Did. I think yes. If, you, if exactly. you read between the lines on his statement, you certainly get that vibe that. He realizes
0: in hindsight, oh, boy, I pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, I agree. All right, 405-651-3439. OU gets out of a jam in the bottom of the second inning. So the top of the third that we go, and OU is up 3 nothing on Virginia Tech. We'll c- keep you updated on that. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. We'll get to your text and more coming up next on the other side. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. We're the Homesteader fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. To the Air Coverage Solutions text line we go. Mark in Newcastle says, Tyler, sorry if it's already been discussed, but what was the beef about last night at the end of the game between the Texas coach and the umpire? Um, it's a tradition that when uh, you have someone that hits a home run, like Tiari Jennings hit five, Jocelyn Olo hits five, the ball is retrieved and given to uh, a parent's and that's a pretty cool thing. It's unique about the Women's College World Series. Texas assistant coach was upset that that did not happen after Mia Scott's home run in the seventh. Now, it bounced back into play, um, and they did have to review it, so it was a little bit of an awkward situation there, but um, that was basically the reason why that that happened. He was upset that she didn't get the same treatment as Jocelyn Alo, Tiari Jennings, and really everyone else that uh, hit a home run in the Women's College World Series, so... I actually kind of understand his his beef a little bit there. Did he take it over the top? Maybe, but um, I could see where he'd be upset about that. Um, This text says, I don't know how media rights really work, but would those other teams joining the conference before 2025 breach the contract and make the buyout null? Um, That's not something I'm 100% sure about, Parker, but I'm sure something OU will exploit if they're able to on this deal. Yeah, I would figure so. And look, like I like I was saying
1: last segment, I think the Sooners in Texas, and not necessarily the athletic department representatives therein, but the people with the power to accelerate this process make moves to accelerate it because there's so much money that stands to be made. When OU and Texas join the SEC, that at this point, the Big 12 has their contingency plan in order. They've got four new teams getting into the mix in 2023. So at this point, what are you waiting on? If you're OU Texas, if you're the TV uh, big wigs, if you're the conference representatives, make this happen as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. All right, what are you mostly looking forward to in uh, to this 7-on-7 event in Vegas? I know I've asked you that the past couple days, but uh, that, that it's upon us, man. You're out in Vegas getting ready to set to go out to this thing. What's What's to look forward to?
1: Yeah, man, there's just so much talent from all across the United States. I think it's always fun. You know, obviously we were banking on Lagway being here. Turns out he's at Oklahoma instead, which is a net positive if you're a Sooner fan. But uh, there always are one or two guys that show up that you just didn't expect to be there. And they're big, national, highly regarded guys, and usually guys that OU's in the the mix for. So uh, I will be curious to see just how many OU offers we end up interacting with
0: tonight at pool play. There you go. Uh, That'll do it for Parker. I'm at the Westwood Tennis Facility. The Friday Rush with myself and Travis Davidson coming up next.